0: His Morning Crew with Rob, Allison, and Jim.
1: Maybe there is the possibility you've been thinking about this whole Jesus that Bill Graham had talked about in his life. And if you have questions, I encourage you, text the word JESUS. 800-447-7234 You'll learn a little bit more about having a relationship with him right there. The word Jesus 800-447-7234
2: You know, Billy Graham was really an innovator. He used groundbreaking ways to reach people for Christ. You know, at the time, television and radio and movies, that was all new, and he was using that to share the gospel. And on Tuesday, he published his last Facebook post. Here's what it said. If you went for a walk in the woods, but then decided to wander off the path and found yourself surrounded by a thicket of thorns and poison ivy, who would you blame? Would you blame the person who built the path? No, of course not. Instead, you'd blame yourself if you were honest, because you alone were responsible for wandering from the path. In a far deeper way, this is what happens when we decide to leave God out of our lives. For a time, it may seem like wandering away from him doesn't make any difference. It may even seem easier and freer but eventually it catches up with us just as wandering off that path and into the thicket caught up with you. My word,
1: sometimes I'll blame God when I wander off the path, Mm. you know? God, why did you let this happen? How come this horrible thing is happening to me? And and Bill Graham put it so elegantly in his very last post, it's because I wandered, Mm -hmm. not because God placed me there.
2: But there's always a chance and an opportunity to turn back.
1: That is so true. Thank you, Billy Graham.
2: Mornings with Rob, Allison, and Jim.
1: Throughout this week, we've been going through this book from Elizabeth Elliott, who is the author of Through Gates of Splendor, and she wrote Be Still My Soul Reflections on Living the Christian Life. And she knows what every word of this book is because of the story that she has personally as well. Yeah,
2: she was actually a missionary in the same tribe, that took her husband's life years earlier. She went back and wanted to minister to those people.
1: It's an amazing story. So she knows what she writes in this book. The chapter I just finished is called Long Suffering Love. And she's been through a lot of long suffering in the life that she lived. She passed away back in 2015. But in here, she's pointing out John 16:33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And then she writes this about it. Although he healed every imaginable sickness and is still capable of doing so, he did promise to fix, he didn't promise to fix everything in this world. Instead, he equipped us to persevere through trials and to bear our scars with dauntless faith and helps us. Understand why suffering is necessary, that long-suffering love that God promises for you and me, that whole peace that surpasses uh, all understanding. If you would love a copy of this book, you can win it from His Radio.
2: Yeah, just head to the His Radio Facebook page, look for the video of the book, and leave a comment letting us know what you would give up or what have you given up in order to follow Christ.
1: Mornings with his morning crew. We're
2: honored to be joined by Jerusha Armfield. She is the granddaughter of the late Reverend Billy Graham. Good morning, Jerusha. Good morning, Allison. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with us this morning. I know the world is grieving the loss of Billy Graham, but you're grieving the loss of the grandfather that you treasured so much.
0: Yes, we are. How are you holding up? You know, we're doing okay. I think um, it's the thing I'm most shocked by is just, you know, he was 99 years old. This isn't something that came as a shock to anybody. It's something that we've anticipated for so long, but still surprised by how shocking um, it was. And maybe it's just something you are never really prepared for.
2: You know, Jerusha and I have been friends for a few years now, and I've never told you this, Jerusha, but 12 years ago, I was working as a TV reporter, and I was actually given the assignment of doing an obituary piece on Billy Graham way back then. So I was thinking about that, you know, and how we all knew this day was coming, but that didn't really make it any less shocking or heartbreaking when it actually happened.
0: No, it didn't. And, you know, I mean, for the last probably five years, I mean, every time his blood pressure went down, the family got an email. And um, so we really thought that we would have um, kind of a heads up, and um, we just didn't. Um, nobody knew that it was going to happen when it did. But from what I understand, it was very peaceful. Um, really grateful that it happened in his home not in a hospital somewhere. And um, I know he's rejoicing for sure.
1: We're talking with Jerusha, who is Billy Graham's granddaughter. You're sharing this whole funeral with the world. What is that like for your family?
0: You know, I mean, people ask me questions like that all the time, and I think that I'm I'm honestly just used to it, Rob. I mean, it's, it's been kind of my reality my whole life. Um, it's, I was telling somebody the other day that especially the day of, it's hard. Um, to, you know, always be contacted by reporters or see it every time I open my computer, every time I turn on my TV. But at the same time, I think that I would probably be offended if that wasn't happening, (laughs) because I do think he deserves all of that mourning. And um, his legacy is so incredible that I Um, I think I've understood that, and I think that I'm able to recognize that it's all coming. We're sharing all of him with the world because he was just so loved. And so um, at the end of the day, I think we appreciate it more than anything.
1: So much loved because now he has the honor of being one of four people that gets to lie and rest in the uh, state capitol in the rotunda.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's pretty incredible when you realize that, um, you, like you said, he's one of four civilians that will ever have done that alongside of, you know, Rosa Parks. It's pretty incredible um, and it's a pretty big honor.
2: Jerusha, can you tell us about the last time you saw your grandfather?
0: Um, actually, it was just a couple of months ago, and um, he was so frail and weak, um, obviously, in the last probably couple of years, but especially in the last year, that um, he always knew when we were in the room. He rarely spoke back to us, but he would squeeze our hand or he would just whisper little things, but his kindness um, is what I think stood out to the very end. I mean, always just, I love you, or... He was trying to pull your hand up to his mouth so he could kiss it, or just such a sweet, sweet, tender man, Um, even though I'm sure at that point he was, you know, tired or uncomfortable. I mean, he was, you know, an aging old man, but just so, so sweet.
2: The last photo you shared of you and your grandfather, you're sitting at his side, kneeling at his side and holding his hand, and he's wearing headphones, and I just was curious, what was he listening to?
0: He wasn't listening. Actually, the last couple of, um, probably the last two years, he was so hard of hearing that that is how we had to speak to him. So we would go visit him, and there would be a little tiny microphone attached to those headphones, and that's how I would talk to him and him be able to hear what we were saying.
1: You wrote the book, Thank You Billy Graham. It's such a powerful book. If you were to add to that book today, what would you add?
0: Oh, goodness. Well, the book was mainly other people telling their stories, Um, but, you know, for me, at the end of the day, even though from the time I was young, I saw him on magazines in the grocery store, Um, he was a grandfather, and not even a distant grandfather. He was a very hands-on grandfather. He came to my school programs and took me out on dates and um, was very active in my life, and I think... Um, I'm not only grateful for his legacy that he had to the world, but I'm just so grateful. Even if Billy Graham was not a household name, I'm just grateful to have him as the grandfather that I had.
1: Jerusa, it's such an honor to share this moment with you and Billy Graham with you. And know that as a family at His Radio, we are praying for you and your family today.
0: Thank you so much, Rob. Hit his Morning Crew.
1: So
2: enjoyed talking to uh, Billy Graham's granddaughter, Jerusha Armfield, just minutes ago. If you missed it, you can catch that on our video replay page at hisradio.com. I'm Allison, along with Rob. We're his morning crew on his radio.
1: What I loved about our time with Jerusha was that she talked about how real of a grandpa he was and so involved with all the grandchildren in Billy Graham's life. And and that translates into where he lives as well in Montreat. That was home. That is where Billy Graham was married. That's where he lived with his wife, Ruth. That's where she went to high school. Hmm. I didn't know she went to high school in Montreat. He, when they moved there, even hung out at the college. Billy Graham hanging out at college. Awesome. Wouldn't it be neat? He comes walking in and there he was. So neat. WBTV went to Montreat to see how his neighbors were handling his passing.
0: It's a sad day for everybody. Happy
2: that he's in a better place and he's with his wife.
1: It hurts to the core. He really was involved in that whole community. Billy Graham, what an amazing man. And and they miss him like you wouldn't believe right now.
2: Everybody misses him, but they'll, you know, they'll have a special loss um, for him not being in their community anymore.
1: A different kind of connection mm-hmm. than yeah. like the rest of us. I was telling Allison earlier, I'm like, uh, you know, I, I've watched Billy Graham for years. And I take a look at all the different pictures because he's all over the news right now, which I love that because Jesus is being preached all over the globe right right now through Billy Graham's passing. And I'm like, we watched him be a dad, be an evangelist, grow up throughout these years in front of us and age into grandpa and great grandpa. It was like, I I, kind of felt like I had no dad in my life, but I kind of felt like I watched my dad age and grow and pass away. And go to heaven. It's just an amazing thing. I'm still processing all this personally.
2: He was just that solid source of hope and encouragement that was always there for us.
1: Rob, Allison, and Jim. You know, it's so easy to proclaim and say something that you are, but you know, living it out speaks volumes to people. If you actually live what you say, <laughs> I had a pastor when I lived in Florida, and he used to say this. Going to church doesn't make you any more a Christian than standing in your garage makes you a car. Mm, I like that. (laughs) That's pretty strong, isn't it? James 1, verse 22 is our encouraging word. And this is what it says today. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Morning, crew. A big congratulations to the American women's hockey team. They overtook Canada. They won the gold.
2: Amazing. Yeah, I'm telling you. That's so cool. Well, the most popular winter Olympic sports: figure skating, bobsled, mm-hmm. snowboarding, hockey. And sadly, popularity matters because there's an amazing sport that was once in the Olympics. But it's now defunct. What is it? Ski ballet.
1: Uh, okay.
2: It's a real thing, a choreographed freestyle ski program full of jumps, spins, stunts, all set to music. Here's a clip, just so you know I'm not making this up, from one of the best in the sport back in the 80s, Chris Cimbole
1: combines, once again, everything the judges are looking for, the choreography, the, the poise, the grace, and the technical difficulty. He's so tall, the grace like, oh, here's his Michael Jackson moonwalk. <laughs> was yes. that from the Olympics? <laughs> this is from, um,
2: what do you call it, like the preliminary whatever that leads okay. up to the Olympics. Like the but Worlds yes. or something. Oh, it that's was wild. in the Olympics uh, in 88, no. 92, and then I think by 2000, it was gone. Uh, it was discontinued entirely, but some people are hoping it makes a comeback because it's I'm, pretty amazing.
1: I'm not knocking or anything, but I don't see it as an Olympic sport. You don't I think see it, takes it as a, a lot cool of kind of thing. Of course it does, <laughs> but it's ballet. It's that's weird. Like, that's like saying put ballet in the Summer Olympics.
2: Yeah. Why well, don't they do that? Thing. And tap dancing while you're at it. <laughs>
1: Oh my word, where's Jim when we need him? (laughs) Our producer's gone. More than just pretty voices. We
2: love talking about some Chick-fil-A up around here. Mm -hmm. We like to talk about, oh, what's your favorite sauce? Do you like those waffle fries that have the skin on them or no skin? Do you like nuggets or strips? But here is the latest burning Chick-fil-A question on everyone's mind. And I'm about to do a little experiment first. Okay. Okay. So I'm giving you some nuggets, right. Rob Dempsey, and I want you to eat one, and I'm going to watch how you eat it. Okay. Don't be creeped out by me staring at you
1: By eating. the, I'm already creeped, <laughs> and I want to thank you that it's grilled. Yes. So I just pick one. Just you want to see one, how I, I eat it? Just pick one. I want to see how you eat
2: it. This is a very important question. Okay. Ah. Okay, so my question is, are Chick-fil-A nuggets consumed in one bite or two? Oh, And you're a two-bite guy. I can see that. (laughs) So comedian John Crist, he's so funny. He asked the question on his social media, and the response was almost split down the middle with his followers. 51% said one bite, Uh 49% said two bites. So we've got a poll going on the His Radio Instagram. Check out our Insta stories. We want you to cast your vote. Do you eat your Chick-fil-A nuggets in one bite or two? I want to see you now. Well, I... Don't get spooked. I'm staring. It's already in my head. It's already in my head. But I think I'm a two-bite person because I love the sauce, and it means I get more sauce.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Which means watch out for her at parties. She's a double dipper. Yep. (laughs) his morning crew. The chicken nugget caper?
2: It's a burning question about Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. Okay, imagine yourself eating them right now, which I know you just did a few
1: minutes ago. She did give me some (laughs) grilled chicken nuggets. Did you eat them in one
2: bite or two?
1: Judging by how fast you ate them, it seems like one bite. No, no. I, well, we had a couple of songs. I did eat <laughs> two bites at a time. I'm a two-biter when it comes to nuggets.
2: Okay, okay. Interesting, because we've got this poll going on on the His Radio Instagram. You can check it out on our Insta stories. Do you eat them in one bite or two? Right now, one bite is 29%. Uh-huh. Two bites is 71%. See?
1: I'm average. Yeah. I think I would be a two-biter as well. She doesn't know because now she's, you know, thinking it through.
2: I know. I'm thinking about it too much. But I think it would be because I really like Chick-fil-A sauce. Mm-hmm. And that means I get to dip. Just more. Grab
1: one and bite it. But talk to me. Let's see. Let me see if we can distract her. It's it. Uh, two biter. Ah. Two biter. That's two it. Better. I oh, man. Okay, that so is so good. Check this out. Daniel, I think he works at a Chick-fil-A. What do you do, Daniel?
0: Back of the house chef at Chick-fil-A.
1: Okay.
2: So what is it? One bite or two? Most
0: of the time that I serve them, even taste testing, that's what you call quality control. I usually do it in uh, one bite, but if I like the sauce enough, I'll, I'll bite twice.
2: I got to say, I'm so jealous that your job involves taste testing quality control
1: control. of the nuggets i've never heard that that (laughs) way before well i'm I'm also a biscuit
0: uh, biscuit baker so i I do everything back there i am enjoying my brand new chick-fil-a store that i work under a new operator so
2: so you think most people are one bite one bite nuggets
0: it all depends on what kind of sauce you get now if it's the chick-fil-a sauce i'll take two the nuggets are usually Consumed during one because they're, I'm like, wait, it's gone. What happened to my chicken nuggets? They're gone.
1: I know. It goes so fast. I know. You got to save them. She is. Allison's like, she, I, I had a box of, not a box, a container <laughs> of grilled chicken nuggets. Allison's got the, the good kind. Mm, yes.
2: They're so yummy. Did you even have one? I did, yeah. How many? I've had two.
1: Had two. Mm-hmm. Why are you eating those so slow?
2: Mornings with Rob, Allison, and Jim. Please
1: excuse Allison. <laughs> Don't please just give her a little bit of grace, a little bit of mercy here. Yes, she's a stalker. A proud stalker. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to watch yourself, man. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mike Wolf
2: and Frank Fritz, the American Picker guys. Mm-hmm. They're fellow Iowans. I'm from Iowa. I like yeah. to. I'm a proud Iowan. Love language. If you're not familiar with American Pickers, it's a reality TV show on the History Channel.
1: I'm Mike Wolf, and I'm Frank Fritz and we're pickers. We travel the back roads of America looking for rusty gold, we're looking for amazing things buried in people's garages and barns.
2: They're treasure hunters, I want that job, that sounds so fun. And the cool thing is they're coming to our area to do some picking. Just you nuts. thought of noses, didn't you? Yeah. That's not what I meant, but no. <laughs> you thought I was gonna go to the nose. <laughs> yes.
1: The the digging in the nose. Yes. The picking the. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry.
2: Well, a friend knew that I'm a fan, and she sends me this message that Mike and Frank were in town, and so. I did what any normal person would do. Normal? I grabbed my five-year-old and we went on an adventure and I showed me a photo of their white van so he'd know what to look for. Mm-hmm. That does sound kind of stalkerish. Very. come you know, on. <laughs> so we were driving down the road where my tipster said they'd been spotted. A tipster. And sure enough, there their van was parked in someone's driveway. So of course, we got out and trespassed just a little bit. <gasps> okay, there's Mike down there. Sammy, Sammy's got his shades on. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, we we went on their property just a little bit, just a little bit. I just wanted to get a picture with the van, which I mm-hmm. did, mm-hmm. and Sammy with the van. The Doverman
1: pinchers came out.
2: <laughs> yeah, they they let their dogs go on us. No, they didn't. A producer, very nice producer, came out and offered to take the picture for me. And I said, can I get my picture with Mike and Frank? And he said, no, they're they're too busy filming. So <laughs> that's a stalker smile. Was it? Yes!
1: You should see it on her Instagram. <laughs> this is a stalker smile. Come on. It's like, hey, I felt it.
2: Uh-huh. I, I felt very good about myself.
1: Then she parked a block away.
2: Don't tarnish my experience.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was Had her very shades lovely. on. Had a camera with a long lens on it. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that's it. Mornings with his morning crew.
2: A photographer in Cincinnati started this trend that's apparently driving Hobby Lobby employees crazy. Why? Her name is Kelsey Magger, and what she did was she took her friend to Hobby Lobby and captured her posing with the fake flowers and the leaves and things. You know how they, well, I don't know if you know this, but... <laughs> time you've spent at Hobby Lobby, (laughs) Robin. I was
1: there once. My wife goes all the time. I
2: know it's the best. But they have this whole section of faux flowers. And so she took these gorgeous photos that you would never know were taken in an aisle of a Hobby Lobby store. But now everyone's trying out because, of course, you know, the Internet loves a good challenge. So what you do is you take what looks like a professional glamour shot in a beautiful spring field of Lavender or daisies or something. And then you take another photo that shows where you really are the Isles of Hobby Lobby. Uh huh. And the thing that's frustrating, the employees, is people aren't putting the flowers back where they got them. Oh, we're so being messy, they're making messy, a huh? mess. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. hmm So it's kind of fun, but hopefully people will start cleaning up after
1: themselves. You would hope, right? Mm-hmm. If my wife did that, she'd clean up. Oh, of course she would. She would, although she wouldn't, she wouldn't do it. the challenge thing.
2: <laughs> you don't think so?
1: No. <laughs> I, on the other hand. <laughs> Maybe you can
2: go with her next time, and she <laughs> do- snap a few f- glamour shots. Yeah. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. Vogue and all that.